Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with trumpeter Gabe Wolf. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Hello, good morning. Welcome to San Diego Sessions. I'm your host, Ian Tordella, and I'm here with pianist, keyboardist, organist, composer, and co-host, Mr. Ed Kornhauser. Edward Kornhauser. And our guest today is trumpeter Gabe Wolf. What's up? Thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. I like your uh, neckwear. Oh, my necklace. Thank you. Yeah, it's very cool. It's, uh, it's like a Southwestern Native American beaded, um, I don't know what to call it exactly, but it's very It's cool. Navajo. It's Navajo. It's very cool. Yeah, my Navajo teacher gave it to me when I did my first Sundance back in 99. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. It's got such a good story to it. It's, it's really, it's quite striking. It's very cool. I wear it to important things. <laughs> well, you can see it on our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us at San Diego Sessions Podcast. And I, for one, am flattered by that statement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to kick off, we're going to get into Gabe's music in a minute, but we're going to kick it off with this week's edition of This Versus That. These are uh, some jazz musicians or public figures of note, and my co-host... Because the two cannot be the same thing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or is the key word there. My co-host is going to have to pick one and only one. Or feel free to jump in, Gabe. Okay, first up... uh, you know, I always include clarinet players. I love clarinet players, probably because I have bad technique on the clarinet. And when somebody sounds great on it, it's amazing. So um, Texas-born clarinet player, saxophonist, and composer. He wrote Four Brothers for Woody Herman, and he was a pioneer of free jazz and open forms. Jimmy Jufri, or uh, the man who wrote Polka Dots and Moonbeams and But Beautiful, Jimmy Van Heusen. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy did not play clarinet, though. The only, only Jimmy Jufri did, yes? Only Jimmy Jufri okay. played clarinet. Sorry, you threw me for one second there. Well, um, who knows? I don't... <laughs> you know, I don't know why, for years and years, I had this, um, this bias against that tune, Polka Dots and Moonbeams. I don't know why. I used to absolutely despise that song. I don't know why. I have no idea. I just, like, I hated that standard. Maybe because I thought it was mean, that lyric... Pugno's dream always seemed like a mean thing to say to somebody. Uh, so I hated that song <laughs> wow. on principle. Uh, You're com- a sick person. I, I, no, I'm saying that to, seriously. I thought it was a mean thing. It's like My Funny Valentine is a pretty mean song too when you think about it. Uh, not every jazz standard is nice. Without a song has some dark lyrics. It does kind of, yeah. 
I mean, these. I mean, that's why these songs are timeless. I mean, they do. Some of them are quite good. I mean, they lyrically. Um, and I've come to like polka dots and moonbeams, but I think on this one, I'm going to let my old biases show a little bit and go with Jimmy Jufri. I, I like what he did way more, and always have. All right, and plus, you know, his work with Jim Hall was killer. I love that stuff. I always seem to talk more about the person I don't pick than the person I do. I think I feel like I have to justify myself. <laughs> Just achieving balance. You don't want exactly. to step on any toes. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Next up, uh, this this person is still living. I didn't know, but uh, pianist Jane Getz, who worked with Charles Mingus. I uh, actually worked with Charles Lloyd, but she was really known for her work in Pharaoh Sanders' group. Um, or, oh, and oddly enough, she actually worked as a studio musician in L.A. for a while and has been recorded with uh, Ringo Starr and John Lennon. Um, or iconic jazz vocalist Jane Monheit. So Jane Getz or Jane Monheit. Wow, that's tough. I mean, I've listened to way more Jane Monheit, unfortunately, I think, or at least knowingly. Uh I, I can't say I've knowingly listened to a lot of Jane Getz. I feel like now I have to. You got yeah, I gotta get on that. No yeah. relation to Stan Getz. No, no, no relation way. to spelled the same way? Yep. Huh. Well, I think I have to pick Jane Monheit by default, but I think I'm going to go listen to Jane Getz because actually I, I don't think I'm really that hip to her. I think I've heard the name, but that's about it. I should like really listen to her now. So you got me. You got me. <laughs> All right, me. get on that. Put it in your Spotify playlist. I'll check her out. Wow, I feel I feel dumb. Okay. All right. All right. You'll know this next one. Uh, a pioneer, another pioneer of free jazz, his experiments with using uh, overdubbing and uh, free jazz experiments on his home recording three track tape machine pianist Lenny Tristano, or another pianist, British born pianist, author, and prominent jazz critic Leonard Feather. I don't think I've ever read anything by Leonard Feather. Oh, I'm sure you have. have he I? wrote so liner many liner notes, notes yeah. and oh, okay. and articles for Downbeat, and he wrote you know a number of books. I probably have read. But there's one. no way you haven't read some Leonard Feather for okay. sure. Probably, I've definitely read liner notes, so I'm sure. Apparently, not memorable stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, maybe not. Or I forget the name. But on uh, tons of the Blue Note stuff, he did the liner notes. Yeah, I um, okay. I probably I do I do read liner notes, so I'm sure I probably have, and not just registered the name. Um, I used to love listening to Lenny Tristano. I mean, I still do, but I just, I, there was a period in my life where my teacher, Rick Helzer, was really giving me a ton of transcriptions and like putting me into him and uh, turning me on to him. And I listened to a whole bunch of him and played his tune. So I'm going to go with Lenny Tristano. All right. 10 points for Gryffindor. Ooh. <laughs> you got me okay. on, you got me on Jane Getz. I'm feeling kind of, I'm feeling bad if you're called out. I'm going to, I really am going to go and listen to a bunch of her. All right. Well, once again, we're here with, with Gabe Wolf and uh, we're going to hear something from a, a version of the band called Ghost Car, but maybe give us a little intro on this first track we're going to hear. Yeah, this one's called Funky Woo. It's off the album Too Strong. And uh, this was between a band I had called Savade and uh, the full-fledged Ghost Car. So there's members of each one. Uh, this has, as we talked about earlier, uh, Dana Sudbro is playing some vibes and, and even keyboards and percussion. Uh, we have Clay Stinnett on drums, Daniel Huffman, and Tony Chapman are playing guitar. And I'm playing the trumpet, electric trumpet. All right, we're going to hear some electric trumpet, and this is Funky Woo. Thank you. 
And we're back. And we just heard Funky Woo from Ghost Car, the expanded Ghost Car, the Ghost Limo, as we just joked about, yes. <laughs> uh, from our, our guest uh, in the studio, uh, Gabe Wolf. That was cool. I um, We were talking on while we were listening to that about all the uh, all the effects that you put on that trumpet, and that was a really interesting thing. I, In fact, to the point where I didn't recognize sometimes, wait, is that trumpet or is that guitar? I'm wrong. Then I'm right. Then I'm wrong again. <laughs> it's really interesting. Well, that's good. That means I did it right. <laughs> how did you How did you get that tone precisely? Uh, well, I played through a, uh, a Fender Twin, uh, which is a big part of the sound, yeah. the amp, and I always so found just it. just going right into a guitar amp. Thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was using two wah pedals. Um, a, one for the uh, week, one for the weekend. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> an RV3, digital delay reverb, um, an, an analog octave pedal. And um, wow, it was so long ago. Oh, I, I probably had my, I have an Ibanez phaser from the 80s that mm. I used to like to use a lot. So yeah, a lot of experimentation. I went through a whole lot of amps back then. Like I played through so many different amps trying to find the right sound. I even approached uh, Yamaha several times trying to get them to build an electric trumpet rig or mics for mm. that. Eventually they did without me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was very difficult because I was trying to use tools for a different instrument on this instrument, right. which forced me down. And you heard it on here. It forced me down the path of trying to uh, control reverb and use that as a sound instead of fighting it. So a lot of times in live shows... When I was battling feedback, I would kind of do like a kata in front of my amps because as I moved around and worked the pedal, I could get different tones. And I was trying to get those tones to match what everyone else was playing. And so there's a lot of feedback in the sound too. It's like playing a whole new instrument a lot of times. Well, it, it can lead you down uh, the path to some interesting and different timbres and kind of force your mind down some new ideas. It's interesting, yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix was doing that. And that's where it came from. You know, if Jimi Hendrix and Miles Davis did get together, you know, which was in the works. Right, yeah. That, what would that, that have sound, sound, not so much sounded like because we didn't want to go for that sound, but what is that concept? Or, you know, how would that feel? And so these guys are, uh, they come out of punk rock, except for Dana Sudborough, who uh, was playing vibes. He's a yeah. trained musician. I'm a trained musician. Everybody else in the band uh, are self-taught artists for the most part, painters, sculptors, hmm. and um, yeah, fun band to play with. For our listeners, on the first half of that track, as we were listening, a lot of the like wall of sound and texture is not guitar; it was actually trumpet. And yeah, up until when we heard the trumpet solo start, and then you started with some effects on the trumpet. And then you mentioned your effects actually broke halfway right. into the track, yeah, and you right. got them working again. But speaking of that. Like on the fly, your effects weren't working, and then they were again. Uh, the whole track we just heard was completely improvised. Yes. Yeah. You just start. The bass player just started playing, and everyone else jumped in. Exactly. I, I work with with Dave Willingham, the the recording engineer, on pretty much every project I did back then because he knew what our concept was. So he wasn't like, okay, what's the first song, and you know, you're gonna count it. He knew that as <laughs> Let soon as let me get as, the click track going. Right. He, he knew as soon as all of us were in the room, he needed to press record because there was no telling when we were going to start and what was going to happen. And so with that, you know, we, we got in there and Chris kicked off that bass line and, and then we were in. And that's how they all start. And we should probably mention uh, these tunes from Ghost Car. This, all these guys are associated with like 
uh, Denton, Texas, and Dallas, Texas. So this is recorded. This act was actually recorded in Argyle, Texas, which is kind of outside of Denton. Dallas, Fort Worth. Denton. It's, it's real close to Denton. Yeah. yeah. It's in 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 the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> Basically. Out, yeah. Out in the country. We Texas have... Chainsaw Massacre land. <laughs> Sort of. Oh boy, yeah. Because our uh, my esteemed colleague here attended uh, the University of North Texas, and which is in Denton. So you have mm-hmm. we were talking before the show started, and uh, you have a lot of mutual friends and a lot of mutual connections, and and it all goes way over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've spent more than a day in Texas. It's changed a lot. Two of my nephews uh, were music majors there just recently, and I went back to visit them, and it is just like. A, a whole different town. A lot of the clubs and places we played are gone. And now there's condos and apartments. Like the whole Fry street has changed. Mm. The whole vibe has kind of changed from when I was there. I guess they're trying to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> they got rid of us and now they're cleaning it up. Right. right. Sweep the jazz musicians out of town. <laughs> so who all played in this, this ensemble and what was the instrumentation? We discussed it a little bit, but it started out. Um, uh, how do I explain this? So there was there was a band called Savad that did the same thing. Uh, Savad kind of disintegrated when Quincy Holloway left. He was our drummer, our original drummer, and he left to do Sabazlo. And for those of you out there that like dub reggae, check yeah. out Sabazlo. It's a really, really great band. Um, so he left, and then I was pretty much done. You know, I thought, okay, we put out this album. The band's falling apart. I'm going to move on to other things. And then the guitar, one of the guitar players, Tony Chapman, who is also an original member of Savad and comes from the Fort Worth area. He said, man, uh, you got to hear this kid play drums. And he loves the Savad stuff. And I was like, really? He knows who we are. So I went to hear Clay Stinnett at Tony's house one day. And Clay was, I think he was 17 at the time. And he just blew me away. And so we kind of got back on board. So with this, you hear Clay Stinnett on drums. Um, Tony Chapman on guitar, but we also have Daniel Huffman on guitar. Uh, Daniel uh, played in the latter half of Savad and then made it over to Ghost Car. And Daniel is, he's a really talented visual artist, uh, painting, sculpting. He's also tied in close to like the Flaming Lips. He did their records. He actually made their, those multicolored records that they have out. He poured those by hand, every single one of them. Uh, But he's been on the road with them. He did Polyphonic Spree and, He's got his own thing called the Frog Boy Project and New Fumes that's been touring and, and doing really well. And he's, um, so so he was on guitar. And then who else did we hear on their bass? Oh, the bass player, Chris Perdue. Yeah, he kind of set the tone for that whole tune, really. Yeah, Chris Perdue, um, he's also a self-taught bass player who I heard playing in other bands. And then we just kind of kicked it off. Talk about talent. A guy who always knew how to find the pocket and he is a really was a driving force in all this. If there was any writing going on, you know, if you could think of it in that terms, you know, we followed the baseline a lot, mm. as you can hear in this. And then there was me, and uh, and then oh, uh, Dana Sudborough playing the vibes and the keyboards. And well, I think we talked about Dana earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Was... Out in Fort Worth, amazing player. And on some of this stuff, he did his South Indian instruments, you know, all that, which is kind of cool. So, Tabla and that kind of thing? Or... Yeah, and some other ones I forget, the Vina or, you know, I forget the names of them. <laughs> yeah, so around the same time this, this was recorded, Dana was also playing in a different band as a drummer uh, with me and a few other guys from, from the North Texas scene. 
So, and but I, I never knew Gabe while we were in, in Denton, so it's pretty funny. that <laughs> One degree of separation. You know you guys were in the same room at several points, I'm sure. Right. I'm well, sure. And back then, I, I wasn't going by Gabe. I, yeah. I, I was going by my other name. Batman? Yes. <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> yeah. Mild-mannered Gabe Wolf <laughs> is the bat. Well, we won't, we won't disclose your secret identity. Oh. <laughs> So in terms of some of the groups more of like jazz rock directions, what were some of your influences? Well, with this band, the, the, I would say the major influences came from British underground shoegaze bands in the 90s, like Swerve Driver, My Bloody Valentine, uh, a band out of Chicago called Mercury Rev, um, Sonic Youth, mm. uh, because what they were doing, um, especially like Kevin Shields and uh, My Bloody Valentine, they were really pioneering the use of these real thick, heavily affected guitars with textures, with beautiful melodies kind of drifting over the tops of them. Swerve Driver was a little bit more rock oriented, but everybody, most everybody in the band um, was really in, and Swerve Driver still plays. In fact, they played at the Cash Ball not too long ago. Huh. Hmm. And um, Adam's guitar work in Swerve Driver was a huge influence on my electric trumpet sound, more than anybody else probably. Yeah. Well, as we were talking about during the tune, because um, I use effects a lot. Actually, on our theme song, I'm using you know delay and wah pedal. But if you set up your your couple of wah pedals and you have some some atmosphere like a delay or reverb, you can play. You could fit into the group almost like a keyboard player or a synth or a guitar. You can just Absolutely. add another layer. And most of the time, people don't even realize it's there as they're listening. I've had I've been using effects on gigs, and people come up to me after and say, "Man, we're using the effects. I couldn't." tell that or mm-hmm. what were you doing i i didn't know you were using them which is actually kind of a compliment that means i was actually fitting into the sound of the band mm. sort of as a layer absolutely um, and back then when i was doing this i mean and what you're doing now it, it, we're moving our instrument into a different role with these bands and to me that was a lot of fun you know it's like i'm becoming more of a texture i'm becoming more of a mood setter and a lot of times you don't associate that with a trumpet no, you know, a trumpet's going to be the lead. And even when we would set up, they would always put me in the front, right? Because I played trumpet. And I yeah, was like, yeah. no. And over time, I kept moving myself back into the line. I'm in the rhythm of everyone section. Else. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you had a, another similar ensemble from around the same time, call, a group called Savad. And I think we're going to get into one of those tracks in a little bit. Um, who were the members in, in this other band? This, was, this is the band before Ghost Car. Right? Correct. Yeah. Savad started in 92. And that was Quincy Holloway on drums, Tony Chapman on bass, and me on trumpet. And then we had a saxophone player who played with us sometimes, uh, Gabe Durrell. Gabe Durrell was our our shaman, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> interesting, interesting guy. And that, well, actually, it's, an, it's kind of an interesting story to me. I was going to school out at Weatherford, and I was playing in the jazz band there. And I was staying in the dorms. And on the other side of the wall was Quincy and, and these guys that were also going to school they were playing uh, like Fugazi and, yeah. and albums like that. And I remember waking up one morning and they were playing this stuff really loud and I liked it. And so I went over there with a recording, <laughs> Miles Davis's recording of Savad. And I was like, hey guys, check this out. And they really dug it. And so we started trading music back and forth. And then one night we went over to the music room and they had a guitar player there. And I said, hey, let me try this. And I plugged everything in. Tony started jamming on bass. Quincy was playing drums. I did the electric trumpet thing. We really enjoyed it. The next day, we got a gig 
Hmm. And they asked, well, what's the name of the group? And we were always just saying, well, let's, let's do that Savad thing. Let's do that Savad thing. So that's how Savad became the name of the banks. So we didn't we didn't really have one. <laughs> Which is, uh, as you enlightened us earlier, Davis spelled backwards. Correct. I did Correct. not pick up on that. And there is a, you know, well, there's a tune that Miles yeah, did a, called Savad. Yeah. A yeah. Miles tune. So, right. right. Which is completely awesome, by the way. Hello, kitty. Yes, our studio cat, Mo, is here. Well, I think, I mean... I don't, I don't know if I'm generalizing, but I think a lot of the people I've met in San Diego have, you know, really dug into like the hard bop kind of stuff and earlier stuff. And, and a lot of them are also into real modern jazz, but some of that 70s miles and even like the stuff Herbie did like post Headhunters and sort of that stuff in the early 70s, some of that has fallen through the cracks um, mm-hmm. as far as some of the, the youngsters, the young kids listening I, to it. But I it's admit, such, I, I don't know it as well as I know other gosh, stuff for it, sure. But <laughs> it's just yeah. such, just the energy of that music. It, it, it's totally unique. Absolutely. I was thinking that the other day, and I was listening to some of the stuff that, uh, that Matt, um, I'm sorry, I always mispronounce his name, Dibiase? Yeah, Dibiase. I was, Ian always, I always mispronounces mispron- his name, too. <laughs> there, sorry, there were, the sorry, outtakes Matt. of Ian trying to say his name <laughs> on this podcast were incredible. <laughs> I, I get you, man. You know, I... The, the, I understand that my other last name is it's like five consonants in a row. But anyways, I was listening to his stuff, which is really fantastic. And I was thinking, God, that sounds a lot like the stuff that I was hearing in like the late 80s and early 90s coming out of the new jazz thing. And like these young guys have totally picked up on those sounds. They're yeah. doing things with that. And so that's been kind of fun to hear, <laughs> you know, being re-explored. Yeah, I think, yeah, some of it's the influence of newer, like, electronic music and stuff, which has harkened back to those same tones, you know, from the mm-hmm. those synth sounds from the 80s and 90s. But we, it's all a circle. <laughs> Everything comes back around. That's not always a good thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. You gotta get out of karma, get into Dharma, start writing a new story, right? Hmm. So this this track from Savad we're going to hear is called 19 Senses, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us a quick intro and then then we'll drop into that and we'll go into the break. Yes, this was recorded, I believe, in 96, also at the same studio um, with Dave Willingham. And I think I went through, this was when Savad expanded. So we have the, the core members, Quincy and Tony, but this also has, uh, I believe, Daniel's playing on this and the incredible saxophone player, Dave Monch. Dave is heavy. He's playing soprano on this one. And the thing about this one, uh, this was an an attempt to play something that we had played before. We did a rehearsal. Chris Perdue came in with that 5-1. I played that melody just right off the top, and everybody was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. So we went to the studio. This was the one time we said, hey, let's try to do that. Of course, we did it differently, um, but it's still based on almost all improvisation. So, All right, well, here we go with 19 Senses. Thank you. 
You're listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. I'm Rob Thorson, and here is your jazz forecast for January 29th through February 4th. Monday, January 29th, New York City-based organist Brian Charette plays at Dizzy's at 8 p.m. along with drummer Andy Sanisi. Tickets are $20, all ages welcome. Guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his weekly Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, 21 and up. Tuesday, January 30th. The Havana Jam, an Afro-Cuban and Latin jazz jam session, kicks off downtown from 8 p.m. to midnight at Prohibition. Wednesday, January 31st. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m. featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. The Nathan Hubbard Trio plays some original music at 7 grand from 10.30 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. Thursday, February 1st. Trumpeter Gary Rich hosts his first Thursday jam at Beret Southern Bistro from 7 to 10 p.m. with Dean Hewlett on bass, Jason Chatiel on piano, and Russell Bazette on drums. Catch the EP release of Hashtag by trumpeter Curtis Taylor at Mediterranean Jazz and Supper Club from 7.30 to 10 p.m. Just across town, there's a new jam session at the Ken Club, hosted by saxophonist Robert Dove and Ian Buss. Music from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. $5 cover, but musicians get in for free. You must be 21 or older. Friday, February 2nd. Pianist Mike Wofford starts a four-week residency at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. This week featuring trumpeter Curtis Taylor, bassist Dean Hewlett, and drummer Richard Sellers. No cover and your parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. The Michael Borowski Quartet plays at Panama 66 from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. featuring trombonist Naeko Hirai, bassist Mackenzie Layton, and drummer Charlie Weller. Also on Friday, violinist Chris Fidus plays a tribute to Wayne Shorter at Dizzy's featuring guitarist Peter Sprague, bassist Bob Magnuson, and drummer Duncan Moore. Music starts at 8 p.m. Cover charge is $20. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music from 8 to 11 p.m. Saturday, February 3rd. Pianist Danny Green and his trio plus vocalist Leonard Patton play an afternoon concert at the Oceanside Public Library at 1 p.m. Later that evening, the trio will perform a concert at Temple Emmanuel at 7 p.m. Tickets include wine and cheese reception at 6.30 p.m. Irving Flores plays solo piano at Maratalia Restaurante at 5.30 p.m. The Whitney Shea Quartet plays at La Valencia Hotel from 6 to 10 p.m. Also on Saturday, vocalist Deneen Wilburn is joined by pianist Kamal Kenyatta at Beret Southern Bistro at 7 p.m. 
Saxophonist Christopher Holiday brings his quartet to Dizzy's featuring pianist Jason Chatiel, bassist Rob Thorson, that's me, and drummer Matt Smith, along with special guest Derek Cannon on trumpet. The show starts at 8 p.m., cover charges $20 or $15 for students. Singer Allison Adams Tucker celebrates the early Bossa Nova pioneers with pianist Irving Flores and saxophonist Chris Click at the Westgate Hotel beginning at 8 p.m. Sunday, February 4th. Pianist Irving Flores and singer Alexis Joy play a jazz brunch at Maritalia Restaurante at noon. Hugo Suarez takes over at 5.30 p.m. Sue Palmer, San Diego's queen of boogie-woogie, will be at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. The Whitney Shea Quartet plays on the patio at the Bernardo Winery at Rancho Bernardo, playing some high-energy jazz and blues from 2 to 5 p.m. No cover in all ages. Dancers welcome. Finally, vocalist Leonard Patton and our very own Edward Kornhauser play their monthly first Sunday engagement at the Turf Supper Club in Golden Hill from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, 21 and up. I'm Rob Thorson for San Diego Sessions. You're listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast. And we're back on San Diego Sessions. We're here at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company in an undisclosed location near downtown San Diego. We were just listening to our guest, trumpeter Gabe Wolf. The first tune we heard was 19 Senses from the band Savad, and then we went into Black Cicadas from Ghost Car. Uh, But now, without further ado, it's the moment you've been waiting for all week, the San Diego 7 with Ed Kornhauser. Yes, this is the San Diego 7. These are seven rapid-fire or mostly rapid-fire questions that we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. Oh, you're right. talking to me? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was spacing out. <laughs> nah, Are you talking all right. to me? It's all right. <laughs> I don't see anybody else here. <laughs> Must have been talking to me. Okay, number one. And actually, I think you alluded to this earlier off mic. Uh, number one, what did you listen to on the drive up here? Big fun. Miles Davis. Nice. Yeah, I thought you meant, I thought I heard you mention that earlier. I'm like, oh, we'll get back to that later. <laughs> get in the mood for this stuff. Um, number two. Have you done your long tones today? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not yet. It's pretty so. early still. So. Yeah, it's true. Very true. Sorry. <laughs> My practice session usually starts at 10, so I'm moving it back a little today. This is true. We, we appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, number three. Uh, what's your favorite spot in San Diego just to be? It could be a nature spot, a cityscape, a business, you know, whatever. My favorite spot in San Diego? Yeah, could be anything. Like, doesn't don't think of it as anything. Just what? Don't think of anything specific. Uh, well, I mean, do think. Sorry, <laughs> this is one I of mean, the best questions. I'm not trying to yet. tell you to like think of a city, think of a na- think of anything within the city. I mean, normally, I guess my answer would be my home, but I don't really live in San Diego. Uh, but I always liked going to that area in Balboa Park. That's uh, right there at 25th Street. That little small, uh, it's got a little track around it. But if you go up on top of the hill over there, you can see downtown and the ocean. Oh, you mean Golden Hill Park? Yeah, Golden Hill Park. Yeah, right down the street from here. Yeah. You live right next to it. I live very close to that. Yeah. I'll go for a walk or I'll ride my bike around the, the, it's sort of a big circle road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the view is quite pretty. You go past the Naval Hospital, looks at downtown, the planes fly overhead. It's awesome. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's some red tail hawks that would always hang out around there and... 
I saw a couple uh, oh, mating one year. That was kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, a nice feel, and I like the view. The first time I visited that park was a few days after I moved into my apartment, and it was the July 4th, the famous July 4th of the San Diego Big Boom. And San Diego residents will recall that the the July the, <laughs> I remember that, that. wasn't I think you were with me actually. I, I was there yeah it was every firework on all three barges in the bay instead of doing a show <laughs> where it was timed all the fireworks went off at once it was like D Day in I San Diego that. Harbor it was <laughs> it, it, the whole show was about eight seconds just the most beautiful you know thing I've ever seen <laughs> actually no I wasn't here for that that was right before I showed up my wife was here yeah. And she was, well, she wasn't my wife at that time, but she was here living with her best friend. And she, they got all set up on that hill over there and were oh, ready yeah. for it. And I remember her telling me about that. She was totally, <laughs> yeah, we were both there at the same time. It was such a, everyone just stood, stood around awkwardly for about half an hour until people started checking their phones and the story got out. We, yeah, we didn't know what was going on. But since all the fireworks went off at once, I heard some people who lived down on the bay, like in those big condos. I mean, they just got their eyes blown out, you wow. know. <laughs> it was like watching a nuclear blast right in front of you. Anyway, back to back to the San Diego Seven. Although booms are always an interesting subject of conversation. Um, number four, what fictitious character do you wish you could meet? Fictitious character, mm-hmm. Don Juan Mattis. I don't know. That's don't know over that, my head. That's over my head too. Uh, he's from the Carlos Castaneda books. Oh right, the guy who went down the 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 anthropologist. Right. Oh, okay. I would, I would love, and yeah, he's definitely people, fictitious. Then, when the, yeah. well, that the, the, there's some controversy there, but I'm gonna say fictitious the, the way that he presented him. I would love to meet Don Juan Mattis. Okay, I have read on the cast, and I remember learning about him, and and his uh, he wrote all these books, and then has somewhat been this. You know, there's some controversy about the credibility of his what he said he saw. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I understand what he did because I, I I know several, uh, I know a lot of people in that circle. Let's put it that way. Back in the '90s and stuff, when I worked with them, so I what he wrote, yeah, he he bent the truth, but he had to. Hmm. Um, there's things you can't talk about, and there's things you have to present in different ways. But everything, the knowledge that is in those books, is right on. Interesting. Huh. I met his teacher, Carlos Castaneda's teacher. Hmm. Huh. One of them, but not Don, not the one portrayed as Don Juan Mattis. Okay, interesting. I, this is another thing I have to check out now. Um, number nine. Number nine. <laughs> I, I go off on tangents. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> Usually Ed is a tangent guy. That's fine. <laughs> Don't encourage him. I'm an improviser. Uh, number five. Uh, what's a good bit of advice someone has given you, musical or, or not? Don't take anything too seriously. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Except for this podcast. Yeah, we take this very seriously. <laughs> As uh, well, you should. Yes. Um, number six. This is a this versus that, kind of like in the beginning with me and Ian. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a bit on the nose. Uh, I feel like I should have like a buzzer in front of me or something. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I'm, not, I'm not competing on there, but it would be fun to like hit a... I'm sorry. Maybe yeah. we could do like a, a competition, have a couple guests and then buzz in right. when you know the answer. <laughs> This, this will versus, be for season two. Right. <laughs> this Glad you're ver- looking forward. This versus that. Kenny Wheeler or Kenny Dorham? Kenny Dorham, baby. Ah, yeah. Okay. Dope. All right. I Man. mean, nothing to take away from Kenny Wheeler. I mean, the guy's creative. His tunes. I love his tunes. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. 
But Kenny Dorham, I mean, he's a Texas boy. Is he? We have a lot in common. He worked on drill rigs. I worked on drill rigs. Wow. He's from Texas. I'm from Texas. You know, I love his sound. I, I mean, he's not the, the best technician on the trumpet, but man, that dude can phrase like nobody's business. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Kenny Dorham. I didn't Dorm. know that. Yeah, I didn't know my Kenny Dorham history. But both those guys, Wheeler and Dorham, have such just a unique style. Like, you know right away yeah. that it's them. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anywho. And uh, to finish this off, our old standby, number seven, bacon. Yes, please. All right. We got to actually start cooking bacon before this to, if they say yes, offer them a plate of bacon. I, I would eat a plate of bacon. <laughs> Can we go with you on that? <laughs> yes, you yeah. can. Yeah. All right, that was the San Diego 7 with Ed Kornhauser. And again, for all our listeners, uh, if you're interested in the show or, for, or if you want to be a guest on the show, you can reach us on Facebook or you can reach us by email, sdsessionspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I sent in $100. That's how I got on this show. Yes. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so exactly. you, you, can do, you can do that, too. You can pay your way in. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can just PayPal it straight to me, and then <laughs> <laughs> we accept bribes, and we're very biased, as you know. We only have our own projects on the show. Do right. you accept bacon? <laughs> right, yes. Yes. <laughs> pay us in bacon, yes. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy San Diego Sessions. <laughs> um, so... What other current projects are you involved with here in San Diego? For the most part, I'm I'm just kind of a hired gun sub at the moment, uh, mostly playing with the Gaslamp Band, Gaslamp Quarter Jazz Orchestra. Orchestra. I know, isn't that a name? It's not quite a name. It is, but it's the it's got GQJO. GQJO, but it's it's a cool it's a cool name. I mean, we have that neat district downtown, the Gaslamp. Yeah. Well, which we've the, never played at. Yes. Well, as it's far a neat. As I know. <laughs> and actually, I say it's a neat name, and historically, it's a neat neighborhood. And now it's just a big pit of drunk people it's not really my scene but uh it's a bit touristy but it is the historic neighborhood from downtown anyway um and sometimes um i play with tim felton's groups uh, surefire soul ensemble they're great um, tim's tim's a friend of the podcast we had him on a few weeks ago and yeah and i haven't played with them in, in a while though and i've tried twice to get my own thing going like when i first got into town i had the gabriel wolf trio with uh, antar martin and um, matthew taylor and oh, I'm yeah. actually putting up some of that music on my website that I've been feverishly working on, uh, gabrielwolfjazz.com, coming Perfect. at you. Yeah, definitely. And I've got a YouTube channel fill, filling up right now with uh, videos of my playing. And um, But that band uh, fell apart uh, because that's when I screwed up my chops that first year I was here. Mm. And I think you remember that because we had a Horace Silver tribute oh, that yeah. we were working on. Uh, I called Ian for that, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he called me for the horse. And he thing. said no. I did. I did. I said no, I don't want to. I don't know. At that point, I think I was just saturated with too much hard bop. So I said, nah. Yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, th- all things happen for a reason. We ended up getting Jesse Adela. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another name that I always mispronounce, but. Adele, yeah. And he's not a good. But we ended up having to cancel that because my chops fell apart playing in the style tones. Oof. That was a hard book, baby. Yeah, I know. I used to, that style tones were a great local, uh, kind of a James Brown meets Sly and the Family Stone group, uh, yeah. three-piece horns, organ, guitar, bass, drums, and then a vocalist, and they were fun. I don't dance, but mm-hmm. I would go and dance to them because they were fun and they were good. I yeah. I missed that band, actually. Usually go Monday nights to Bar Pink and see them. They were fabulous. Yep, that's, that, that's the scene of the crime. 
Yeah. I, I, I got into town after I was living uh, for a year, not a year, a month and a half out in the desert, northern Arizona. So I wasn't really playing that much. And I got here and tried to get on the ball because Gilbert helped me out a lot, you know, giving me a lot of work. And I just overplayed too quick, did too much and mm. uh, injured my chops and had to take a year off. Well, I'm glad you're you're coming back. So, oh, thanks. Well, this will be my second one because I had to stop again because of a job. So I've been back on the horn now for a year. But um, other other things I'm involved in pretty much is just making music at home, and I'm just keeping my antennas up because to me the chemistry in the band is what's important. That's mm. what really makes the music. So I'm really trying to find the right people that will help me achieve the sound that I'm going for, but also bring in their own uniqueness. Because I would like to continue with the 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 heavy improvisational and you know the electric horn thing hmm. but i want to bring something new to it maybe more composition this hmm. time yeah but i've got to find people who really understand the art of group improvisation because a lot of times improvisation is just kind of a free for all or it can get real chaotic or it turns into just a jam you know and the, really the art of improvisation to me is the art of the transition it's how well does a band transition from one mood to the next. That's one thing I was really noticing on on the on the track Funky Woo is you really do there's even though it's improv and it tends to it's sort of all in one key, but there's still changes. You said, Oh, now we're here, now we're here, now we're setting up space for a trumpet solo, now there's this texture and even though it's fully improvised, you guys are all listening to each other. There's these constant like a, like a relay. There's like handoffs. Exactly. Yeah, like oh, I'm so glad passed. you heard that, man. No, it was really cool, and then it knowing that's so in, hard, for knowing that. that's improvised, that's that's quite a neat thing. Thank uh, you. And then you've also played with a group that I've I've played with, uh, Nexus Four Thousand, which I think is I not quite in the same vein as the uh, Savat and Ghost Car tracks, but a little, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. there's some of the same language in that. Yeah, the rhythm section in that really gets the same kind of uplifting feeling that I got playing with Savat and Ghost Car. And that's what brought me back to the band to do this this other show with you guys. I mean, I've only done two shows with you. But that rhythm section, standing in front of you guys, it's like standing in front of this wonderful multicolored locomotive. Hmm. And you Which just, is funny because that's what's painted on the back wall at Whistle Stop. There really is a multicolored <laughs> locomotive. I guess, yeah, okay. Yeah, we yeah, literally... Yeah. I, <laughs> that's the only place I've played the two shows? At. Yeah, no, that's literally... There really is a locomotive on the back wall. But you can really hear the listening going on. Um, and, and I really love uh, Sunday's writing, obviously. Yeah, Gabriel Sunday, yeah. Friend uh, of the yeah, really... That's one big difference between your groups and, and his group. Is Yes, there is a lot of improv, but there is a lot of composition. A lot stuff. of composition. Hard Difficult mm. playing. Yeah, Nexus, man, I, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of the album. I've heard it online a little bit. Doug Mewson plays the trumpet on the album and knocks it out of the park. Oh, Where you, you sound, go, Doug? You sounded pretty good too, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I was I was curious hearing that. I'm like, oh yeah, so he's got all this this jazz rock background. No wonder he's, he fits in so well with this, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I think that's about it. I mean, really, for the last eight months, I've well, almost a year now, actually. I've, I've been at home practicing. I got to give credit to my wife, Laura, for that, uh, because she's basically been keeping the things going at home. We've kind of reached the end of that ride, but she gave me this year to really focus on my music and playing, getting my chops back and being super focused on, on what I'm doing because she knows, you know, 
I'm not me when I'm out there doing just soils work and, you know, working for geotechnical this or that. Hmm. She really sees that I'm much happier when I'm playing music. But now that I've had this year to get my chops together and get back into the scene, you know, it's like, so, uh, have you found a job that might be able to groove with what you're doing? (laughs) (laughs) Like, baby, I'm I'm trying, I'm trying really hard. We have an opening for a podcast writer and intern. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely but it only pays in bacon, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love bacon. Well, yeah, that could work. Uh, so uh, speaking of, of your own music, I think for the last track, we're going we're gonna to play one of the things you put together. Oh, yes. So. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, one for San Diego I did at home in the den all, all myself using GarageBand. Hmm. But I took samples and stuff and turned them around and, and rewrote things so that, uh, you know, it, I wasn't just like stealing samples or whatever. Um, but one for San Diego, I actually wrote here right after I got into town in, in 2012. Now, mind you, I had just spent a month and a half living in the desert in a tent. Okay. So my ears and my mind were just like blown wide open and coming into San Diego was just overdrive. It was just like all this technology and cars and people talking at you. And it was just intense. And so I went for a walk one day around that park, Hmm. uh, Balboa Park, and this sound started forming in my head of what I was seeing. I went back and this was done in a matter of maybe two days tops. Um, I put this together and uh, it's one for San Diego. This is my ode to, to San Diego. From someone who had never been here and is experiencing it for the first time. Very cool. Well, we're going to get into that. But uh, once again, Gabe, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing all these projects with us and sharing your joy for music. And we're looking forward to hearing you more on the horn in 2018. Great. I'm glad you got to see me. And we could, uh, and <laughs> listeners at home could uh, follow up more with you on your website, which is, uh, what was the yes. name of that again? GabrielWolfJazz.com. And your YouTube channel as well, yes. Yes, uh, with, with the same name. So, All right. And yeah. once again, uh, for our listeners, if you'd like to reach us, follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. And you can reach us via email, SDSessionsPodcast at gmail.com. And you're on Instagram as well, I believe. Yes. Gabe Wolf Jazz. Just Gabe Wolf, Gabe Just underscore Gabe. Wolf for that, yeah. Instagram. You're going to see a lot of pictures of my cats. Well, all right. Here we go with Gabe Wolf's One for San Diego.
You've been listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser. Performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artists. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Seven with Ed Kornhauser. Yes, these are the. Uh, <clears throat> yes, these are the San Diego. S- yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yes. At least you didn't hit your head on the microphone. Like- <laughs> that was my nose. Yes, this is the San Diego Seven. These are seven rapid fire or mostly rapid fire questions that we'd like you to answer.